Welcome back to the Surf Sky Podcast. We are back and this time with Steve Backpacker Henley. <laughs> uh, he's been with us several times and he's a very interesting guy to know. So we thought we could, we could tell you a bit more about him and let him also share his story. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Tomas. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm watching it grow. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I've seen, a, like, uh, not I've seen, I've heard a few episodes already and yeah, it's, it's really nice to, to get a sense of the, um, yeah, of the people that are coming to surf Kashkais and the many different backgrounds uh, that people have, which is something uh, that is always uh, also a factor for me coming back because it's a lot of people that have um, so many different backgrounds, um, but at the same time sharing uh, a lot of uh, common interests. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes this place interesting and you are obviously one of those people um so i know a bit about your story but i think it's interesting so i'd like to i know you came from from a more traditional day nine to five job or nine to nine and and now that you basically travel for a living and make a, a business out of it so i'm curious to since this is mostly a travel place where people come from all over the world i'm curious to know what led you to change your life so drastically yeah, well, it's actually also one of the most uh, common questions when I'm speaking to people here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you come here and you stay for longer, um, the questions are always like, where are you from? What are you doing? Um, so uh, as, you, as you said, like I, I used to be a consultant in IT and I did that job for like nine years altogether. It was like dual study, so four years of these nine years were actually studying and working for the company and then I stayed with them. Um, but there is this thing in Germany where people go work and travel um, right after they finished school. And I still had to go to uh, the military. So I was like one year in the military and then I was straight on to studying um, in this dual system where the company would pay so I would have, uh, didn't have to work while studying to to make it work um, uh, with the rent and everything so I kind of uh, because I had this pressure from my family like yeah now you need to do like a proper job and you need to pursue a, a career of some sorts I was like nah I don't have the time now after the military to also do a work and travel so I always had this urge to go somewhere and explore for like a year or something and I could not uh, really do it because I was going straight to studying and because of the contract I had I needed to stay with the company afterwards then I had projects and I earned some good money and I was kind of like following that route and uh, it felt like now it's maybe too late to do something like that but at some point I was like okay fuck it let's just uh, quit the job and travel for a bit for like for a year and I was in South America um, prior to that decision and was backpacking for the first time in my life solo traveling through uh, Chile and I was really I, I really liked it uh, but I constantly ran into people that were like oh yeah I'm just here on my gap here <laughs> I'm just enjoying life and I'm like man I only have three weeks of vacation right now and I'm just doing this like jumping from hostel to hostel and those people they were going to Argentina afterwards to Brazil and they were like they were so free and I was like damn now I need to go back to my job and so I made this decision there to to like say like okay I do this job maybe one or two years more 
I save as much money as I can and then I'm quitting this job because it's a it's a job I could easily find uh, another position uh, when I come back from traveling for like let's say six months maybe 12 months um, and so I did so I saved up money quit the job and uh, started traveling but in the time when I started saving the money I also started a little website where we just like do little city trips I would go to Madrid for a weekend or something and then I started interviewing people like which I couch which I hosted via couch surfing in my place because at that time my English wasn't great so um, I used couch surfing um, to host people from all around the world um, to get to know more about the the world out out there which I could not really travel at that time that extensively as I do it now. Um, so I learned a lot, not only about the cultures, the different cultures, the cultural backgrounds. Um, I also could improve my English a lot. Um, and so, um, yeah, during that time, I started this website, interviewing those people, put those interviews, uh, videos on YouTube. Um, and I started writing little um, lists of things to do in places when I was visiting Madrid, for example, or from that trip in Chile. Um, but I just did it for my friends, just to stay in touch with them when, I'm, when I was away. And I plan to, do, to continue that when I'm traveling um, after I quit my job. And it turned out that there's actually an opportunity to earn money with this um, because you could basically partner up with companies, uh, like let's say, for example, take booking.com, uh, when you recommend like a hotel where you stayed, you can make a little bit of money when somebody books through your link. It's called affiliate marketing. Um, so at that time, my, my visitors were like maybe a thousand people that would visit my, my blog in, in a month. Um, nowadays, we're talking about a hundred thousand people a month that are just on the website. So at that time, it was not really a business uh, as such, but I could see the potential because I came from IT and I knew what's possible, what I can do, like technically. Um, I started like basically educating myself on things like SEO, marketing, social media marketing. I mean, we're talking about a time that was like 2010, 2011. Uh, Instagram started in 2012. <laughs> so when Instagram basically uh, started, I was on the platform. And um, there was no stories or something like that. It was just photos. So I would start like writing blog posts about places. I would put up photos on Instagram. Uh, and I basically just started traveling, but uh, could see the potential, but I was not really sure that it's, this could be like my future job. So I set out on this journey uh, with the idea of like having a gap here, traveling South America with the money I spent, uh, I saved up from those two years, which was, which was good money. It was like, um, I don't know, a little bit more than 10,000 euros or something like that, which in South America, you can calculate like 1,000 euros a month. Uh, you know, it depends on which countries you visit. You need to like really balance it out. The cheap with the expensive countries. Bolivia, for example, you can do it cheaper than 1,000 euros, but then you maybe go to Argentina, which is more expensive. So, and this is actually how everything started. This is how I got from... Uh, this like a nine to five job into traveling mode and then uh, fast forward 
like one year, two years, I saw business opportunities growing. I talked with um, destinations, like the countries itself. They have marketing organizations. They're called DMOs, destination marketing organizations. I've worked with Visit Portugal, for example, Visit South Africa. Um, and I would, we would do projects together. It's like really like in the, let's say in the business world, uh, they usually hire ad agencies to do their marketing. But um, as this was like the, the start of influencing and like this whole industry was not called influencers or something. I was basically just a guy uh, who had a website. <laughs> um, and so we would, we would work together on promoting the, the country. But I could be the guy who says like how we should do it because I know my audience, which is more like independent travelers. Uh, hence the name Backpacker Steve, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because I started with backpacking, but I shifted more and more to like just independent travel, organize your trip uh, on your own, book your hotel independently, book your flight independently, and then the activities and restaurants you want to you wanna go to, uh, everything independent. So it's not like a, a tour package or something. And um, so, yeah, so I started uh, doing that and... Um, put together guides about the places I visited. Um, and I was uh, on this project with, uh, with, the, with the DMOs. Uh, for example, in uh, South Africa, um, we did uh, hiking in the Drakensberg Mountains. We did Durban. Uh, we did like the urban swing, which is like a huge pendulum jump. Um, and then and at the end of the day, I would write a guide about the area. And in that case, also make a video and sell it as a, as a package, as an advertising package, basically for them. So whereas like my, my audience would benefit from getting all these tips, um, we would have like search engine optimization. So if people search for things to do in Durban, they would come across my video on YouTube, for example, um, and the destination could kind of like uh, set their own priorities, what should be promoted. So in the case of Durban, for example, Durban is kind of a, a difficult destination because uh, everybody who's looking into South Africa wants to do the garden route, wants to go to, to, wants to, go to uh, Cape Town. But Durban is not really on the list, but it, is, it, has, it has beaches, uh, it has uh, nightlife, uh, and it is close to like uh, a few national parks. Um, so it's, it's a destination worth visiting. So they needed to uh, bring that, to, to get that out there and to really give people an idea of what they can do. Because when people do research, they need things to do in a place in order to go there. If they're like saying like, okay, Durban, well, I don't have any website here that tells me what I can do. I only have the, the, the website of the, of the country. And how, how much can I trust like the destination itself to tell me what's good? Because they will say everything is awesome. Um, so in that way, um, they, and this is the case still today with influencers, um, they work with influencers in order to, to promote certain parts of the country, uh, maybe parts that are overlooked. Um, when you look at Portugal, for example, right now, everybody goes to Lisbon, um, but how many people really go to other places like Mafra, Coimbra, uh, to Bumerais, and... You know, I mean, there's like from a perspective of a local, there's so many places that are worth visiting and uh, especially in the times we're living in right now, post COVID, um, when you have destinations that are uh, suffering from over tourism, 
which is the case in Lisbon. Mm -hmm. um, this is also an opportunity for the destination to use influencers to, to shine light on other parts of the country in order to spread the tourism out and uh, kind of like solve this problem we are facing right now with like, uh, which was created uh, in the first place through Instagram, uh, for example, by, by like making places popular like Sintra, Peña Palace. Um, so showing like other places um, is also a good way to kind of fix some issues that are there. And, and I kind of like see that also as my task. Um, so one thing is of course making business, um, but the other one is also to, um, to fix some problems that we have, um, like, or at least doing my little part for that. So, yeah. and that's like how I made this all work, uh, like uh, earning money through those projects with destinations but at the same time, and this is more and more important for me, it's now 80% of my income, is I'm working basically uh, right for my audience, like straight. So it's a one-on-one, -on -one, basically. I'm writing a guide, people read the guide, people book a hotel, book a tour, um, or even uh, like a day tour in Sintra, or like let's say they do a day tour from Lisbon to Sintra, Kashkaish, Cabo da Roca. Uh, and then at the uh, in the evening they're back at their hotel in in Lisbon, um, and by doing so, I have like st uh, like the income from the people I produce the content for initially. So I don't have my many ties that would um, kind of like I don't want to say um, my my uh, my own point of view would be changed by people hiring me, but of course if a destination hires you. Um, it's hard for you to really uh, write bad things, right? I would rather um, accentuate the the positive things, and for like the bad things or the bad destinations, I would not feature. Mm -hmm. Because why should I write bad about them when it's not worth visiting? I shouldn't write about it at all. So and now with this, I can be more free. I can pick whatever whatever I want to do. Uh, and I can highlight those things which I think are more, most important for my audience. So I have a kind of like an independency by doing this uh, marketing or like this affiliate marketing with my audience by writing uh, written uh, travel guidebooks for my audience. Um, and so they have something that helps them make the best out of their holiday. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, it helps me to keep doing what I'm doing. You're basically curating uh, destinations for people like you. Choose a pack that you agree with, or not a pack, but things you like, mm -hmm. and then offer it to them for them to choose from a pre-selection you basically made. It's basically um, like a conversation with a friend yeah, exactly. uh, that has never been in the destination. You have traveled extensively. Like, for example, somebody who's like, uh, would ask uh, you about uh, Indonesia, where you search spots in Indonesia. Exactly, and mm -hmm. you're like, oh look, when you're in Indonesia, you should do this and this and this, and you should definitely try food-wise. You should try this and this and this, um, and that's basically what I am. Like, I'm not, um, uh, uh, you know, like a travel magazine like na na National Geographic, which is like the best photos and all, everything you can do in a destination or Lonely Planet that features everything. I'm basically just uh, a guy like like you um, that's been there who's been there and can give you tips uh, like like personal recommendation I think this is important to say yeah. it's like a really personal 
list of recommendations Authentic. I do of places basically yeah. and of course it's a pre-selection as well so I highly also um, um, encourage people to to use this maybe initially to start out out with those lists or with those guides I'm, I'm providing but then also follow your own uh, make your own path you know and 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 you know like a hostel like for example surf Kashkaish is is a great place where you connect with other travelers that have been uh, in the area already or that have traveled to other places nearby like in surf Kashkaish, for example you meet people that just that they have been maybe previously in, in the Algarve or they come from Erisera and now they do uh, Kashkaish and then they can give you tips from those places and this is actually also where the the idea kind of originated was like hostel conversations back when Wi-Fi was not really uh, a thing or was not really available and people would actually sit uh, in the common areas have chats about uh, their different backgrounds and uh, their travel plans and this is kind of what I'm trying to do, like to have this like personal recommendations. Very interesting. I have a question which is, in the beginning, like you transitioned and started doing this and you saw it as a business opportunity. When you started making money out of it, in terms of percentage, how much of it was fun and how much of it was work? Because I, I have a lot of friends who say like, try not to make your passion your job because then you'll lose the passion for it. So my question is like, how did you find that transition from like, yeah, I want to do this as a personal project that I'm just going to travel and have fun. And then suddenly you're like, okay, I can also make a living out of this. And if it, and then, but then another mindset comes into play, which is like, okay, I can make a living out of it, but it's not, I, I need to go back home in the night and I need to write the, the thing. Otherwise I won't make the living. So that's like the hardest thing about it. Um, if you would ask me today, and there's a lot of people that are like seeing those Instagrammers, um, TikTokers, um, YouTubers, uh, living the dream. Um, and they all make it seem super easy. It's like, oh yeah, just buy my course. <laughs> buy my course for 600 euros and then you know how it's done. Um, but reality is uh, I would highly, um, like people that are like having a job and um, kind of um, are happy with their job. Uh, especially now these days when you can do a lot of jobs remotely, I would highly recommend um, trying to find a way to make your job uh, work with um, like your travel plans or something like that, like working remotely. Because um, what I'm doing now is a really hard way to earn money. And in the beginning, like the first two years, as I said, I didn't earn any money. And uh, I've never worked as hard in my life as I do or as I did in the first five years. Um, right now I found a balance, but um, the pressure of being a sole entrepreneur is, is really, really big. I had a burnout as well uh, because you have this um, uh, existential fears. Will I make it work? And if it all fails, I failed. I need to go back to the old job. Oh my God, horrible. Um, my old job was still cool. So like, you know, but like I, I had this freedom for two years. Um, so this pressure, financial pressure is really, really big. So um, to balance that out as well as like working in weird places like hostels is horrible. Like you cannot really work in a common area in a hostel. It's n nearly impossible. Um, so I, I've, I needed to find a way to like basically have a base. 
So my base is Hamburg, Germany. I have my office there. And um, I found now, like, I mean, not now, but like in the past few years, the best way to do it is to have this base, to do the writing, the editing, the all the paperwork stuff, the taxes, and do everything in an office in a calm surrounding, which is basically a little bit like <laughs> back in the old days. Uh, and then I have my research stage, research, shooting, filming um, stage where I would travel the destination for like two months, three months, maybe even. Um, and then basically gather all the information needed for a, gu a written guide, uh, take all the photos which I need for the guide. Um, and then if I do, which is the other 50% of my work, the documentaries, um, do the shooting there, like um, um, I will go uh, soon to Indonesia for two and a half months where I plan to, to film a documentary about Indonesia. Um, and there I will basically, that's the research and filming stage. I will travel, uh, will film what I'm doing. Um, and then when I come back home, I basically do all the editing, all the working, the publishing, the marketing of everything. So I kind of find this balance, but as you, as you said it, um, it's kind of hard if you if you want to turn your passion into into your job. Uh, you always need to check in with yourself every now and then because uh, when you have a passion for something, uh, you end up like working on a video for like two weeks straight and you want to have it perfect. Um, so you need to say like, okay, let's step back. Let's, let's take a break as well. And that's much easier when you have a constant income. So at the moment when I would like actually see like, okay, I would have a stable income. And in my case, the good thing about this is that a lot of it is passive income. So I'm selling these books, for example, uh, when I'm surfing in Cacavelos, uh, could be in that session that like three of my Hamburg guidebooks are being sold on Amazon because people are just doing their research where they go on the weekend. So, um, and this is really, this really helps, um, this, like this financial pressure to take off that pressure and then you can, you can find a work life balance, um, and you can live the life you always dreamed of, which I'm doing now. Like if you would have asked me back in the days, uh, look, you can, uh, you can basically, you're, the, you're your own boss, which is like the biggest freedom of all. It's not the traveling part. It's like being your own boss and deciding when can you take your holidays, uh, or when can you take when can, can you make time for friends? Um, this is really the biggest luxury of all. Um, yeah, and now, now that I have this, uh, this life um, and I found the balance, it's like the dream, basically living the dream. Um, but at the same time, I always need to be a smart businessman about the decisions uh, that, I'm, that I'm making. Which destinations do I go next? Um, which destinations are worth featuring? Is there a lot of competition? Like uh, Lisbon, for example, was for me uh, more like a lucky shot because I was here during, during COVID and I decided let's go for it. Let's just try because I saw like the Lisbon articles that are out there, the content that is out there is strong. It's hard to compete with. But the way I did my guide and because I stayed here for such a long time, for more than like six months altogether, I had a lot of content. And Google kind of um, gave me an authority for that and said like, oh, look, he has like all these tips and all this like 5,000 words article. Um, it's in-depth information for anybody who wants to go. And I, I could outrank a lot of competitors because of that. And, and that's a way where I could open this kind of Portugal market for, for my German audience.
um, and and so this way I could make it work. But yeah, um, right now I found a balance. But um, I can like my tip for everyone who wants to do something like that is uh, you need to be prepared that you will have at least two years of a dry period, which you need to uh, which you need to power through and not give up, because if you have a passion for something, which is the other positive side, if you have the passion for something. Um, you will always have the motivation to keep working for it. And, and that helps a lot. And then when you can make it work, um, it's like uh, as soon as you have found something where you're really passionate about it and, and, you, and this is your work, you don't have to work a single day in your life as well because it's fun. It's fun to like go out there and, and film a video. It's fun to like go uh, to Sintra uh, visit some palaces and gardens, uh, eat some pasta de natas, some traviseros. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, this is fun. Um, and then uh, write about it. That's for me, that is fun. That's maybe not for everyone. Also, this whole like traveling extensively part. It sounds enticing for many to do that for on a work and travel year. But when you get older, you want a more comfort. Um, you don't want to be in a place uh, which is not uh, familiar to you um, for too long. Like traveling Bolivia, for example, I could not do that now for like more than a month. It would drive me crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm still like able to travel for like two or three months uh, at a time. But that is like not for everyone. And a lot of people, they, they, they see like travel as a holiday for two weeks. But as soon as that passes that mark, um, it's not really for them anymore. So you really need to check, um, especially when it's like your passion to travel, is it really something you want to turn into a business? If that's really something for you, or is there a better way, like remote working, being at a place for longer, being like, let's say, uh, you're in Lagos for six months, you can surf, then you go do your office work uh, remotely, then you can surf again. Um, and then maybe you go for six months to Barcelona, um, or you do like six months Germany, six months somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of different options these days, which is cool like to see that the work uh, environment and the the philosophy of work has changed also mm. through COVID, of course. Yeah, of course. Super interesting. No, it's it's fascinating, not only in like in the travel specific side, but also like making those decisions and making things happen, regardless of what area you choose in life. If you want to start something by yourself, that period, that power through, but at the same time, the passion and the motivation you get from doing something you love is uh, it's always inspiring to see. And I think it's ultimately what most people would like to do with their lives is find something that they like, they can pursue, they can make a living out of. and But then also finding the balance, like you said, it's not easy to be on the road or to power through two years of, of hard work without seeing income back. All those things are tricky. Uh, but now... If you don't mind, I'll change a bit more like specific to Kashkaisen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to ask you, how is it that you found Kashkaisen, Surf Kashkaisen in particular, uh, in the first place? So it was, I think, 2018 um, when I started, like, because I was traveling and traveling, traveling, new destinations, exciting places. Um, you know, every country has their, uh, you know, has their specific thing, which, which makes it interesting. Um, but then I kind of started of like having like little challenges for me. And one of those challenges was, um, in 2018, I was like, okay, 
I've been now in Iran, which I've always wanted to visit. I've been to Patagonia, Iceland, like really cool places like that were like, you say like they were on my list. Um, but then I was kind of like, so what's next? What should I do next? And then I said like, well, maybe I should challenge myself and climb one of the big seven. And um, so I work with G Adventures, a big tour company from uh, Canada, the largest uh, small group adventure tourism company. Mm -hmm. If you want to do like little expeditions, Antarctica, stuff like that. Um, so I was the ambassador, I'm still, still am the ambassador for many years now. Um, and they asked me, so where do you want to go? Which is like a dream, you know, you have like, you see like the map and they have like tours everywhere in the world. And it's like, what do you want to do? You want to do like, you want to go to the Himalayas, you want to do Everest base camp track. Um, but they also offered Kilimanjaro. Um, it's a, it's a thing you can only do with a tour. So there is no other independent travel option. So that, that was a good fit for me. And it's like, okay, there's like the, the option to climb one of the big seven. It's the highest mountain in Africa. So, um, it's not too challenging. You're like, you don't need to climb you. It's like a hike. Um, it's challenging though, because of the altitude, of course, and you need to prepare for it. Um, and so I said like, okay, let's do this. Um, I've done it. Uh, I've, I've also reached the summit and we made a documentary and everything, which was, which was really cool. But then afterwards I was like, okay, and now, <laughs> um, just, uh, one or two years before I was in the Maldives, uh, and I was working with a, with a hotel chain there and I would film like on the Island and I was kind of like, it's beautiful, but it's kind of boring, <laughs> which sounds weird because everybody's like, oh, fuck, it's such an amazing place. And uh, everything is like on a postcard. And I was in that one uh, resort where they actually have their own surf spot. It's called Pasta Point. Mm -hmm. Really popular wave, actually. So and I was working with that resort and they had a little beach bar. Uh, it was called the surf bar. Uh, which would look right onto that spot and you could just sit there and drink a beer. Uh, and a, and a, a friend of mine who was running a, a surf block, surf and travel block, um, he was there as well at the same time. And he just came out of that surf spot. It's like a reef break, like every break in the Maldives. He came out, his, like, his legs were bleeding from the, from the reef cuts he had, but he had a big smile on his head and said like, man, it was awesome. <laughs> and it's like, man, that may be something that that's maybe something I could do. Like, I, I don't really like, I'm, I'm a, uh, I don't really tan. <laughs> so like the sun is not my, my, my best friend. Um, so like, I, I don't really go to beach destinations that much. Um, but then I saw like, this could be a good thing to do when I'm in a beach destination. So maybe actually beach destinations can grow on me when I have something that I can do there, which is fun. Um, and also, active because as i said it before the 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 hiking and patagonia iceland this is kind of my thing all these outdoor activities this is a big part of my branding as well to do like these treks and to challenge yourself and so that looked like it could be the exact same thing but in the water so i spoke with uh, a few friends about it um one of them is uh, someone you've interviewed before Birte, uh, who used to, uh, who is a regular here. Um, she's coming uh, this week. Again. She's coming this week. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and we're both from Hamburg. So 
I knew her and um, like I asked her like does she have any recommendations and she said like yeah of course like Portugal um, but we were like in winter time so I was still like okay but I want to go somewhere before so I kind of uh, thought about Sri Lanka I've visited Sri Lanka like five times in the past and I knew it's a good spot for surfing um, and I came across that, that surf camp kind of a German surf camp though uh, very well organized. We had like theoretical lessons uh, every evening. Uh, you would learn how to read the surf forecast and all these kind of things. So I did like two intense weeks in uh, Sri Lanka and learned how to surf. Funny thing though was that the photographer of the camp was Esteban, who was basically working in the summer season for Surf Kashkash as well. Sure. And there was a lot of people there that worked for Surf Kashkash before. This is also where I met Pascal, okay. who was a surf instructor here. Um, but he was not my surf instructor and he was working for another camp. So it was kind of, I saw him, but we didn't really talk. Um, and Maria, who's now living in Kashkais, German, uh, German girl, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, who's now living in Kashkais as well. And we were sitting in the tuk-tuk and she was talking about surf Kashkais while we were driving with the tuk-tuk through Sri Lanka to a surf spot where Esteban would take photos. Um, and that kind of like basically laid the foundations of my decision to uh, to choose Surf Kashkaj as my next destination because we're talking now that was like February and I think uh, April or May um, 2019 uh, was my first trip to come here and I actually tried to work with uh, Surf Kashkaj uh, with David and talked about like opportunity like possible ways to work together make a video but we really didn't really come to uh like to formal to, to, to go like a, an agreement and i said like ah you know what i just want to come i just want to surf so i booked like i booked a package and said like no 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 like I, nah you know i just want to enjoy so i don't have to work i can just enjoy um and i uh, met the the founder david uh, we had a few night, nights out and we really connected well and we, I mean we became good friends uh, that was like the beginning but now I would say we were really really good friends and uh, the same goes for like a lot of people connected to Surf Kashkaish and that was like that was the beginning and then I returned um, and I, I really liked the place um, it's not so much the surf conditions to be fair it is more the the place uh, the whole environment you have here this little surf kashkaish bubble you find which makes it uh so unique to have you have surf of course you have surf portugal is tricky at times so i would always most, recommend most times. yeah most times. <laughs> most times i mean right now it is tricky so um i would always recommend to do two weeks because um you can have one week and you're like oh my god portugal is horrible but then when you hear two weeks, you have the chance of having the other week where it's nice because usually like the bad weather period or big swells or something like that, that usually only lasts for a few days. So you always find your, you will always have your days where you can really enjoy the surf. But apart from the surf, it is like the combination of having Kashkaj close, close to you, having Lisbon close. It's like all, all like just short drive, basically short Uber drive. You can go to Sintra. Uh, even if, if you want to go uh, Cabo da Roca or Praia Grande, there's like uh, so many options here in this area to visit, like not only to surf, but also to visit. So it's like this combination of like having not only a surf holiday, but also doing sightseeing, doing social activities, uh, having barbecues here and then meeting so many new people, which is like basically 
like uh, a mixture of everything that I'm finding attractive about travel. But I would only have like for each one, I would have like a certain specific place where I need to go to. Like I need to go to surf, I need to go to this destination. If I want to go party, I need to go there. But um, uh, if I want to have want to meet people, I need to go to this hostel in that area. So it's like here I have like many things all together in one spot, and especially uh, it's so close to home. It's in Europe, so for me, uh, Lisbon is just a three-hour flight away, and that that really makes the difference and made me come back so often. And now I think I've stayed in this surf villa for altogether more than a year. I asked David already to hand me out the golden keys for the house <laughs> because I think I'm the guest that stayed the longest here in this you house. You were here during COVID, right? I was staying here over the winter of COVID. I was actually living in the house with like, I think we were like six people here, at the villa. here in the villa and each of us was basically renting a, a, room. a room. So the dorm rooms were private rooms. I mean, still with the bunk beds, but this is also why we have a desk in every, every yeah, room because now. Because everyone was working from home, basically. Exactly. So that was a good way to get uh, through these uh, COVID weeks and months. Um, I mean, it's two, it has been like almost, you can say, two years. And then I came back the next year as well, because it was still like traveling was still... It was possible, but there were a lot of restrictions. So it's like, okay, you know, let's just go to Portugal and stay there for a few weeks. And that's, that's what I did then. And yeah, this is how I, I ended up like being a regular here. And um, during that time also, uh, work-wise, we have uh, found like ways to work together. I'm promoting Surf Kashkaish through my travel guides on Lisbon and Kashkaish. Um, like uh, we did a few videos together uh, on Kashkaish. We actually filmed TV episodes, uh, which in, in, in involved Surf Kashkaish. So, now that people are asking me, so are you like just a guest or are you working here? I'm like, kind of like, yeah, like yeah. kind of like I'm a guest, first of all, but like sometimes we work together. And um, I think it's it's like it's a it's a like the friendship is the, the core of everything. Um, but also there is like an element to it where um, I it's try to like beneficial. Exactly, because I, I really like this place and I really want to recommend this place to my audience because it's a really good fit for people that like to <laughs> for people that, that, that like to, uh, to travel and to meet new people and try out new things. And surfing itself is like awesome. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to also go to destination or like to get ideas for destinations you would have not gone to in the, into the, fir like the first yeah. place. Yeah. For me, for example, Costa Rica, as amazing as it sounds, was never really so much of, uh, so, so high on my list to go there. Um, but because of surfing, I went there and I'm glad I went, went there. But like the, the main factor that would nudge me to go there was basically surfing. So uh, that as well, like, um, you know, like adds, uh, to the whole, uh, to the whole thing of like, uh, which which motivates you to to do things you have not done before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you end up going back to the Maldives, the first the, the place where you first found surfing, so to speak, with surfing guys, right? Exactly. So that was you, actually. You went twice or once? I I went twice. So I went basically twenty twenty one. Was kind of a tricky trip because it was during these restriction times and uh, it was pretty late because of that so we were like kind of there when we had like we had like a storm and 
and it was you can say an adventurous trip um, and then I went back to the Maldives this year um, actually I did both trips this year so you can say like I did <laughs> three surf trips in the Maldives um, but they were back to back this year so it was like 20 one, days basically one big trip exactly and uh, and the benefits of staying for so long and, and during COVID and in this in this time frame of I started surfing in 2019 we are now uh, three years later and I, I, I'm, I can say that I achieved a level which I would have not thought I could achieve in this time frame but it's because I surfed a lot and I had a lot of consistent uh, like uh, consistent weeks of surfing and because every time I'm here I'm trying to like go almost every day to surf no matter how the conditions are because uh, it, like I was I was bitching a little bit about uh, Portuguese conditions but at the same time it's it is here where you learn the most during those tricky conditions it is where you really learn how to read the ocean yeah because um as as fun as sri lanka is because it's so clean and it's so consistent um the level you achieve there is not the same as soon as you arrive here so i would say if you learn here and then you go to sri lanka for example you probably are like two levels higher or, you know, it's easier to translate because you're exactly. training, you know, it's like training with weights yeah. versus training without weights. Exactly. Because um, it is the challenge, the challenges here uh, in the wind, it's uh, in the uh, in the way that the waves are breaking here as well. Um, you have, especially in Kashgar, you have a wide range, like you have Ginsho where the waves are like more fat. And, and then you have Carcavelos where the waves are like, they have more power. Uh, so like even when it's tiny there and people are like oh there's no waves but then they go into the water and the waves actually they get, they push you um, but at the same time they're closing fast so when you have a, a good day in Carcavelos and you have these closing the, these fast closing waves it's where you really where you really need to be you know on, on point to, to, to make it work but when you learn through through these conditions with the wind and the, the fast reaction times because uh, you're not on a point break, you're on a beach break and suddenly there's a, there's a peak appearing, you need to be quick. Um, so this, this way you really learn how to react quick, how to read the ocean and that, that really helps your surfing game because uh, most of surfing is not physical. It's like uh, the mental thing but also like the, uh, that you can read the ocean well and that you can see like this is my wave or this is not a close-out. 95% of surfing happens before you stand up on a board. I know those other 5% are the ones you remember because it's what stays in your brain. But all the work that goes into catching a good wave and even catching good waves consistently is completely overlooked usually. But it's like you said, the most important part because without that, you will not be able to... Exactly. And then for, that, for this, actually, this is a Surf Kashkaj is a good place. And then again, two weeks... To do two weeks where really because also you gotta consider when you when you arrive you're not like really when you come out of the office or you come for your everyday life you maybe do some workouts you do running and stuff but like really the paddling thing uh, is something it's hard to train you can maybe do like rowing when you live in like a, a city like uh, hamburg you can go on the river and row or you go on these rowing machines or you do climbing that helps like for the back muscles mm -hmm. 
Um, but really, like uh, when you arrive, you always need your like two or three days to to get back into the game. Also, uh, when you have surfed before, to just get into the rhythm again and to you know uh, to adjust to well, what was it like to have a board and to like do a pop up and stuff. So um, especially for those who are, like have done like a lesson or two before or have done a surf holiday before, surf refresh is a good place to come and to progress to. To get improve. to like from beginner to intermediate, and do you feel like that helped you in the Maldives, for example, that you could um, enjoy the Maldives trip more because you had that kind of foundation where the waves there are easier, so to speak. Yes, uh, that was like also a big factor why I booked it, because um, I spent my months before here. Uh, this year, for example, I made it uh, the decision to come here two weeks. Uh, before the trip and I actually flew from here to the Maldives so I had these two weeks of uh, training boot camp you can say here and it really helped me uh, in the Maldives to just basically arrive and then go straight go surfing and I was like or like my board and me we were like uh, a unit you can <laughs> say I mean uh, we are talking about my surf level is not great it's like it's like intermediate uh, kind of but it's like this this stage where you're like where the, where the progress is really slow uh, I think the biggest progress you make uh, from beginner to intermediate, this is when, like, the, the, the time... It's the, a it new takes, sport, basically. Yeah. But now it's really, like, that is, like, the frustrating zone where I'm in right now uh, because I have days where I'm thinking I, I, can't, I cannot serve anymore and then I have days where everything comes together. I'm like, fuck, so great. <laughs> that's, that's surfing, yeah. I, 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 I was listening to a podcast the other day and they did, they did this experiment with rats where they did, like... Um, um, they had to complete a task in order to get a reward. Uh -huh. And some rats were fed the treat every time they completed the task. Some rats were not feed, fed every time they completed the task. So they could complete the task and they could either get the reward or not. And there was no pattern, so they could not. And then what they realized is that the, the ones that are not fed consistently became way more addicted and tried to do it way more times than the other ones that just knew that the reward was coming yeah and that brought me back to surfing because surfing is that like sometimes you can do everything you, in your power you try you try you try and you like the wave wants nothing to do to do with you that day no waves come you can do nothing wrong but then on the same time at the same time that's what kind of like motivates you to like tomorrow i'm gonna be here yeah. again and then when you get that reward like when everything clicks you like this is the best thing ever. And then you go again the next day, like, I cannot do this. <laughs> and so that, like, that can be part of the addictiveness of surfing, I feel. Yeah, it's like, it is crazy. When you think about it, I mean, I'm, I, I have this mindset of saying, like, I'm doing a two-hour session. But if I just have one good wave, it was a good session. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, surfing is frustrating at times. You know, like, you have these sessions where it's like, nothing is working, as you say. But then there's like five seconds you stand in the board it's it's like let's be honest like that what you picture in your head like you know <laughs> has everybody seen me uh it's like this 30 second wave you have and then you look at it at the video coaching like oh that was actually not that long you know but like that feeling you had in that time is like th that sticks with you that's it's not like the nose dives and it makes your day like yeah that that totally makes your day and that's like uh yeah that that is actually what what what, what brings me back to, to, surfing. to surfing and like yeah. and like feeds this this addiction basically every time <laughs> I'm doing it. so but like yeah right now that's well that's like one of the 
the biggest discoveries I've had in the in the past few years, and I'm glad I had it. And the Maldives, of course, is a different level. It's like when you want to go there, you definitely need to have a certain level because of the way the the, the waves are breaking there and it's over coral reef. Um, and also you want to be fit and you want to have a certain level in order to enjoy to enjoy it and make the most out of it because it's not a cheap trip as well um, but then if you're there and you have the surrounding you have the group of friends you can share these moments with it's even more special yeah yeah for sure I, I've been meaning to go because I'm not organizing it this year probably but uh, maybe we can uh, make it happen some other, th- some other way. And now you say you're going to Indonesia, then I know you're also going to Uruguay, maybe any projects you wanna tell us about in the near future? <laughs> I mean, right now I'm uh, working on a, on a guide about Sintra. So um, I'm basically like focusing a lot on Portugal over the next few months as well, um, because I've, I've built up uh, a few guides about Portugal already, which help people also like, I mean, if people are staying in Surf Kashkaj, of course, um, they, they are welcome to, to check them out. Um, but then Indonesia is like a completely new destination for me. I've never been there, but it feels, uh, it, it felt like um, a good decision to go there next because uh, it, is a, it is a really cheap destination. Um, it has a lot to offer. It's very diverse. And there's of course surf, um, and another factor is that a few friends actually, which are also connected to Surf Kashkaj, will be there. Like Kiko, the photographer and videographer of Surf Kashkaj, uh, will be there. So we'll probably be sharing waves there, and um, yeah, probably spend Christmas, New Year's to- together there. Um, so this is the next thing. Want to film a documentary about Indonesia? Um, and then afterwards, as you said, South America, this is like one of my core markets for my German audience. Um, I want to revisit places which I could not visit because of COVID for a long time. I need to update guides I have on Chile. I want to go back to Patagonia and also film a few more videos there. So this is now on the list. And then probably the other half of next year, I'm looking to go back to Portugal to do more on the country. Um, As I said in the beginning, I want to shine light on some destinations that truly are Portugal um, and that are worth visiting that don't have as much attention right now to also have help like spread tourism and then maybe write a book. (laughs) That sounds big, but like write a, a guidebook about Portugal that features like all these um, big and small places that you can visit because at the end of the day, Portugal is not a, a huge country. It's uh, it's a it's it's great to visit. Uh, in a few weeks, you can you can visit like a big variety of yeah. destinations within Portugal, and I think this will be like uh, kind of the long term project for me for to you. to do. Cool, interesting. Well, thank you, Steve. I think we, we've been chatting for a while. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It's also always a pleasure to have you. And I know we'll be back. So we can upgrade this chat <laughs> later if we have a lot of requests. And see you later, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Thanks.